Hello, readers. John Urschel is a former offensive lineman who played collegiately at Penn State, followed by three seasons with the Baltimore Ravens. But John quit football to pursue his true passion, math. Currently, he's working toward his Ph.D. in mathematics at MIT, and he released a new book about his life in math and football. It's called Mind and Matter, A Life in Math and Football. John, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. John, I uh, really enjoyed reading Mind and Matter, A Life in Math and Football. I thought it was a beautifully written book for a number of reasons. The fact that you blended uh, your life as a football player with your life as somebody who loves math and the world of math and the world of problem solving as well. What was your initial goal in writing this book? Well, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to show people my story, my interaction with mathematics, and just my love of mathematics and how beautiful and elegant and important math is. And this is really what this project was born out of. John, who do you owe your love of math to? I think I certainly, certainly owe this to, uh, well, first of all, my mother. When I was young, I loved, I loved doing puzzles. I loved solving problems. And she really saw that. And she she really fed that uh, that part of me. She made sure I had really every every resource available to me. Math at its essence is problem solving. Were you a good problem solver from a young age? Yeah, yeah. I like to think that I was. I uh, yeah. This is sort of what I enjoyed doing all day. I especially enjoyed like little puzzle books, like you know, like Martin Gardner puzzles and uh, and things of the sort. I mentioned that this is a blend of your story as a football player with your story as somebody who loves math and problem solving. What is your first memory as somebody who realized that he loved math so much? You know, that's a great question. I can't even point to one. My my childhood is so fuzzy for me. I mean, I just my memory really is not uh, is not my greatest asset. But uh, my mom likes to tell a story about how when I was little, the way she knew that I was really sort of good with sort of quantitative things was one of sort of my favorite games to play was to sort of uh, try to call out the shapes I knew when I saw them out in the world. Do you have a very first football memory? Uh, yeah, when I was little, my father had, he had like a, uh, like a picture hung up in his office of like him and pads playing football. And I remember like I would look at this when I was little. When did you start playing football and why? So uh, I started playing in high school and uh, I started playing because, uh, well, my father played and uh, he played college football at the University of Alberta. And uh, when I was little, I really just wanted to be just like him. You ended up secretly enrolled in a business calculus class at the University of Buffalo, which is where you and uh, your mom and eventually your dad lived at the time, the summer between your 7th and 8th grade years. How in the world did that happen? And as importantly, how did you do in the class? Uh, Yeah, it was the summer after my 8th grade year, I believe. And uh, I did well. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people sort of they hear something like calculus and they think it's synonymous with, you know, something that's really hard. And really it isn't. Calculus in many ways is one of the uh, most natural and most connected areas of math that you learn early on because, first of all, it's really connected to our physical world and everything makes sense in a holistic way. Everything's very intuitive, I think. 
Did taking that class make it more difficult to remain motivated for your ninth grade classes and beyond in high school? Yeah, I don't think I was particularly motivated in math class really ever in high school or middle school and elementary school because most of my learning with math was a very individual endeavor. Like, I did this at home. A lot of people aren't crazy about high school physics, but that was your favorite class or one of your favorite classes. Why is that? Yes, so I think that was my favorite class along with, as crazy as it's going to sound, one of my English classes. And the reason why both of these were my two favorite classes, I bring both of them up because, well, physics is very close to math and I was very good at physics, but I wasn't very good at English. And the reason why these two were my favorite is because the teachers in both of them were fantastic. And these were my two favorite teachers. My physics teacher, he really cared about motivating things and challenging us as to why certain things are true. And my English teacher, she was so passionate about the things we were doing that it was just infectious. And I have to say that, you know, there really is power in not just the material you're teaching, but how you convey it and what message you send in the way that you convey it. Very well said. And you were initially recruited by Penn State, which, of course, is where you ended up playing your college ball. You received all sorts of accolades by the time you were done playing at Penn State through your senior season. But you were recruited by the Nittany Lions after your high school senior season ended. How did that go, and did they end up offering you on the spot? Yeah, so I was a very late recruit. I got offered from Penn State, I think, you know, just weeks before signing day. They were finishing out their roster. They came to my high school to get eyes on me, take a look at me. I got an offer within a week, which is, I suppose they did offer me on the spot, you could say, since, you know, I saw them once and within a week I had an offer. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wasn't highly sought after. I was the 26th person taken in that Penn State class out of 27. And I have to say, when I visited Penn State, I absolutely fell in love with the place. Not just the football team, which is made up of good, tough football players who are high-character guys, but just the university. It's a very close-knit community, and I have to say I'm extremely happy and glad that I chose to go to Penn State because it was the, it was the best decision for me. John, you mentioned the close-knit community is one of the big draws for you when you first visited there. Was it something else about Happy Valley that you loved back then that you still can cherish years later? It's not just the close-knit community. It's the people There's something really cool about the fact that, okay, you know, the state college area, it's this university really connecting an entire community. Like the university is the center of the community, and it really makes it a true college town in the best way possible. And that sort of that environment, that feel of a town full of interesting people who are somehow, you know, connected to this university, whether they're researchers, whether they're students, whatever it may be, it was just made for a a really enjoyable environment. Early on in your college career, you were conflicted on what to major in. Your mom and academic advisor were pushing you toward engineering, but your heart told you math. Was there a seminal moment or a specific person that convinced you to shift your path into that math major? You know, I'm not sure there was sort of a person who convinced me to shift, but it was just more and more 
I realized I was really enjoying my math courses much more than my engineering courses because sort of the math courses I was taking in college, all of a sudden, they were extremely concerned with the question of why. And my engineering courses were just very focused on how. And I find that, you know, my whole life, I really have been a why person. Like, I want to know why something works. Why is something the way it is? As opposed to, okay, here's this thing, here's this tool, how do I use it? And so because I really fell in sort of the former camp, math was just really well suited to me. And uh, the, uh, the summer after my freshman year, I took a, uh, a senior level math class just to make sure that this is something that I would really want to do. And I, I really enjoyed the course. And uh, after that course, I, uh, I, I switched to a math major. Where does probability theory rank among your favorite mathematical concepts and why? It, uh, I think it's, I think it's pretty high up there. It's, uh, it's got to be in my top five. If, if only for the fact that, that was the subject of the senior level math course I took the summer after my freshman year. That sort of solidified me as a math major. Is it true that probability theory became more advanced thanks to a guy looking for a gambling advantage? So. That's a sort of strange way to put it, but yes, yes. I mean, uh, sort of early probability was it was closely tied to sort of real world phenomena. I mean, this is this is the thing about math. Math isn't like created in a vacuum in a you know in some bubble. The math that sort of is created over sort of the course of history is almost always intimately tied to some cause for it, tied to some reason for people to look at it. And uh, yes, gambling has been a reason for people to study probability. And uh, I, I don't think that should come sort of as any surprise to any listeners. Now, you redshirted during your freshman year with the football team, which allowed you to focus more on the academic side of things. But was there a moment or a game during your redshirt freshman or maybe your sophomore year where you played and you started to really make a name for yourself as a player? Yeah, my uh, my my redshirt freshman year, I uh, uh, our center went down with an injury and I played the majority of uh, – of an entire game against Indiana and uh, I played very well. We won. And uh, I remember this was really a pivotal moment where I knew like I can be an offensive lineman in the big 10. This is something I can do. How were you able to strike such a good balance between finding success on the field and in the classroom? I think the biggest thing is I just really, really was passionate about both. I think you know, if you want to succeed at multiple things simultaneously, you need that passion. It's a necessary condition. And not just to be passionate about what you do, but have sort of a determination that you're going to work hard, you're going to do what it takes to get these things done, and to have a sort of resiliency in the face of the adversity and setbacks that you're certainly going to face. I mean, I wish that, you know, if you read my book, there would be some, like, great secret to success. But, like, sadly, it's just, it's just hard work. Like, uh, yeah, there's no secret. 
I don't think that's sad at all. I think that is something that successful people need to state bluntly at times because especially in 2019 we're always searching for that magic potion that magic answer that quick fix that's going to change whatever fortunes we've already created our to uh, ourselves up to that point but in the end a lot of times it does come down to who is working harder than somebody else yeah i mean i have to say like if i wrote a like a self-help book it would be like it would be the shortest self-help book ever. It would be like it would be like two pages. I mean, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I'm 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 sorry to tell people that there is no okay. There's sort of the secret is love what you do, be passionate about what you do, be smart with your time. But at the end of the day, it's going to take a lot of really really hard work, and there's no way to get around that. And you should uh, you should enjoy that part of it and embrace that part of it. And if you and if you can't, well, then uh, I don't think you're going to be very successful. You had known for a long time that you wanted to be a mathematician deep down, but you didn't understand what that meant. Eventually, you did figure it out. So professionally speaking, why are mathematicians important? Great question. It's like you're – that was seriously like a perfect just like underhand pitch <laughs> – just for me to knock out the park. Let me tell you, this is something I love talking about. People, a lot of people don't realize or know like what mathematicians do. So mathematicians, in a nutshell, they use the tool of mathematics to try to solve important and very tough problems in this world. And so what are some things mathematicians do? Mathematicians can work as professors doing sort of academic research and teaching. Academics can go work for Google or Amazon to help create algorithms for them or try to analyze algorithms. They can go work on Wall Street to try to, well, they aren't really making anything. They're making money, but, uh, you know, to help build predictive models. They can go work for the government. The NSA claims that they are the single largest employer of mathematicians in the United States. I've heard this many times. I always say claims because I'm not actually sure if it's true or not, but people have told me this. And uh, there's just, yeah, there's so many things you can do with, uh, you know, with a degree in mathematics. John, you have gone your entire life as a guy who's been described as somebody who plays football and is also good at math. Has anybody ever described you as somebody who is really good at math and also plays football? Uh, well, first of all, I would call myself the uh, the latter rather than the former. Mm-hmm. I uh, I'm always I'm more than happy to admit that uh, I've always had way more talent in mathematics than I have in football. Huh. Football. I mean, I was a good athlete. I was not a great athlete. I put in so much work, so many hours, so much blood, sweat, and tears to sort of become the football player that I was. That took so much work, and really a lot more work than sort of the math required, I would say. Now, as a part of your new book, Mind and Matter, A Life in Math and Football, you did cover something that happened during your time at Penn State. Uh, you were a part of the program when the horrific news involving Jerry Sandusky came out. What was it like going through that as a Penn State Nittany Lion player? Well, first of all, it was, you know, it was, it was a complete shock to all of us. I mean... 
first of all, I didn't even know who Jerry Sandusky was before this stuff came out. I mean, you know, he was an assistant coach who retired, I think, in what, like 2000 or 2001? I yep. don't know. And uh, it was just such a crazy time. Sort of Penn State was under this microscope. And, you know, we, we dealt with a lot of stuff. But first of all, I mean, sort of the things we dealt with pale in comparison to the true victims of, you know, of this whole thing. Absolutely. And, and I have to say, I am really, truly grateful that I was at Penn State when this happened. I really am. Because Penn State, this is a university that has given me so much, that has done so much for me, that you know has made me a part of their family, and I, I feel that. I'm so thankful that I could do something for Penn State, that I could be there during that time and try to be a part of a community that sort of showed the country and showed the world that one awful, evil, horrible man does not define a university. It does not define a community. And that Penn State is an amazing place full of great people doing fantastic things. You do a great job of describing the anguish that you and even some of your teammates went through after the NCAA sanctions were handed down that gave you guys the ability to go someplace else if you wanted to and not have to sit out a year in the process. Of course, it included a two-year postseason ban as well. Ultimately, you decided to stick around Penn State in the summer after the sanctions for Big 12 Media Days, Coach Bill O'Brien thought of uh, going solo to Big uh, Big Ten Media Days uh, after he had initially asked you and a couple of teammates to do so, and then he reconsidered the idea of going solo, and he wanted you to come along with as well. Uh, How nervous were you of that, and what was it that awaited you in Chicago when you did finally meet with the media uh, that summer after the sanctions were handed down? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I was I was not expecting to go because, well, you know, O'Brien decided that he wasn't going to bring us. And then, you know, he gets there and he has a little bit of a change of heart. And uh, really, they didn't they didn't really prepare us that much because they didn't have time because they didn't think we were going. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we finished our morning workout, we were on a plane. And uh, yeah, we just got there. And because they didn't really coach us, we just uh, we really all just spoke our minds and. Uh, I was really glad, like I've, you know, like I sort of said before, to sort of be there and to be able to represent my university and sort of, you know, show people, you know, what what Penn State is all about. By the end of your Penn State playing days, you were actually teaching classes in Happy Valley. Was the vector calculus class you taught by yourself during the fall of your senior season, uh, how much of a challenge was that? And what sort of teacher did you strive to be in that moment? First of all, that was such a fun class. Like, I, I have to say, I truly, truly enjoyed teaching that course. And as a teacher, I do aspire to be a number of things. First of all, I want to make sure that my students learn whatever subject, you know, I'm supposed to be teaching them. I want to make sure that they actually learn this material. Second, I want to make sure that by the time the course is over, they're at least a tiny bit better at thinking than they were when they started. Because mathematics at its core is really a tool to help you solve problems. And if I don't make you a better thinker along the way, then I'm really doing you a disservice and, uh, 
And the other thing that I really, I really work very hard to do in the classroom is to make sure that every single one of my students is extremely comfortable. And this is so important in mathematics. And what do I mean by comfort? I want any one of my students to feel comfortable raising their hand to answer a question. And even if they're wrong, that they're okay with this, that they feel like they're in an environment where sort of it's safe. No one's going to think you're stupid if you, you know, if you ask a question like you don't know something or if you answer a question and it's wrong. I want there to be sort of a very high level of comfort where they aren't scared to ask questions. They aren't scared to give a wrong answer. John, you entered the NFL as another acronym became known by football fans, of course, CTE. How much of a concern was degenerative brain disease for you as a guy who values your own intellect as much as you do? Uh, it's something you know I thought about a tiny bit while I was playing, and I sort of made the decision that, no, I do want to sort of play football. And uh, it wasn't really something I thought about. I mean, of course, this goes, this is a part of the consideration that you think about. And, you know, this sort of thing did sort of, it was one of a number of large factors that I considered when I was sort of thinking about retiring, but uh, by no means was it sort of the major considering factor. In reading your chapter titled John Von Neumann, I was reminded of a classic Mark Twain quote uh, regarding statistics. Do you know the quote that I'm thinking of? Uh, I I faintly know, but uh, I have to admit I can't say it word for word. But it it is some sort of uh, it is a comical sort of I'm comical gonna, interpretation. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. I don't have the exact quote either. But there are three types of lies: lies. Damned lies and statistics. statistics. Yes, yes, exactly. Sports, including football, are swarmed with stats in 2019. Is there a right way and wrong way for teams to use statistics in your mind? Yes, and first of all, I want to go back and say that, uh, so it's pronounced John von Neumann. Oh, my apologies. No, I mean, there's no reason why you would know, but, uh, you know, it's pronounced John von Neumann, and I, I felt I should, you know, I should say because, in my opinion, he's the greatest mathematician of the 20th century, and I would like listeners to know his name and also know how to pronounce his name. And, you know, the stuff about statistics, I have to say, if a statistic is factually true, you know, it's, it's not a lie, but it can often be misleading. And... I have to say that I know your question was about sort of NFL, but I'm going to take this in a different route because I think it's important. I think one of the most important things that sort of mathematics can do for someone, especially if they aren't going into a scientific field, is actually help their ability to sort of parse information in this world. And if you don't have a strong quantitative background, you're, such, you're much more likely to be misled you're much more likely to sort of be tripped by statistics rather than sort of understanding what a statistic is actually saying, what variables are latent, what variables are confounding, and in what ways are the natural conclusions that you might initially want to make from seeing a statistic perhaps not an immediate consequence of the actual data. And a great book, I mean, okay, I know I'm here advertising my book, so (laughs) it's bad for him to talk about another book, 
But Jordan Ellenberg's How Not to Be Wrong is a great book sort of on this topic. Interesting. And uh, on the subject of John von Neumann, you just expressed uh, how much you enjoy him as a mathematician. And you also lament the fact that not that more people do not know more about this man. Why should people know more about John von Neumann? First of all, he's had impact impacts on so many different areas of mathematics. I mean, so von Neumann, he had this so-called mini-max theorem, which I want everyone to know that, okay, if you've ever heard of John Nash and Nash equilibrium, this is pretty much Nash taking sort of von Neumann's theory and applying this to economics. Without sort of von Neumann's theory, you know, there's, there's none of this. He's also had a great impact on the Manhattan Project. And uh, I would encourage people to sort of look this up and see sort of the impact he had there. Although, of course, people have mixed feelings about the Manhattan Project and also the work he had on sort of uh, on computer science as well. He's touched, he really has touched so many areas of mathematics at such a high level. And it's, uh, it's quite sad that we, uh, we lost him at, you know, at a relatively young age. Back to the football side of things, John. You were selected uh, by the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, in the fifth round of the 2014 draft. Prior to picking you, GM Ozzie Newsom, uh, Newsom gave you a phone call. How did that phone call go? Uh, you know, he really called me, and you know, he wanted to have a little bit of fun with me. So he was making small talk about, you know, players that we knew, people we had in common, and. Uh, yeah, really, he was sort of he was he was having some fun with me, and uh, but uh, at the end of the day, they drafted me. It seemed like they knew they were going to draft me, but uh, I've heard that this is something they they like to do. He is John Urschel. He is a mathematician who is also pretty good at football. The new book is Mind and Matter: A Life in Math and Football. Very entertaining read. It parallels his life as a lover of one and somebody who is uh, pretty darn good at the other. John, thank you so much for the time today, man. Best of luck. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.